0: Aloha, Shervin here, and welcome to The Waking Hour. This is our moment in time to wake the fake up from the illusions that are holding us back from living in our full power. As Alvin Toffler said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write But those who cannot unlearn the many lies that they have been conditioned to believe and seek out the hidden knowledge that they have been conditioned to reject i invite you all on a journey of self exploration where together we unlock the keys to living the best life ever all right all right today is a special day this is a long time coming we are entering a conversation with a dear brother, soul mm-hmm. brother, inspiration, mentor, I consider family, Mr. Paul Check on Wake the Fake Up. And <laughs> there he is right there. And Paul, say hello to everybody. Welcome to Wake the Fake Up. It's so good to finally have you on here.
1: Thank you. Hello, everybody. And thank you for being here.
0: <laughs> Paul is, uh, you know, Zooming out of uh, his beautiful ranch estate down in northern San Diego, we were used to be neighbors and we were weaving together, you know, living li- literally less than an eighth of a mile from each other. How are things going on up up there and uh, up in the mountains in northern San Diego? How are you feeling through all this craziness? Uh,
1: you know, you wouldn't even know it was going on here. Um, be honest with you, none of the locals wear masks. It's it's uh, people people here just blow it off as stuff for people
0: that watch too much television (laughs) tell a vision so you're at so what you're saying is people are actually going about their regular ordinary lives and not stuck to this maya or this entire theatrical movement being played out by the mainstream media
1: yeah and even angie and penny when they take the kids to the park In Temecula or around, they say they don't rarely do they see any but kids wearing masks or anything. So, I think as crazy as it is, I think there's a fair number of people that are waking up to the scam.
0: (laughs) You know, this whole thing that you know came upon us over the last year and a half. It had many stages. Energetically, it had many stages. Ultimately, it's come to the point now where I feel, you know. This is this is starting to get a little crazy. It's mm-hmm. getting it's getting to a point where our sovereignty is being tested and ultimately being interfered with. There there was a moment, Paul, where I was like, wait a second, this this is a great reset. Everybody slowed down. They're off the hamster wheel. It wasn't so much human doing, human doing. We can all kind of just sit down for a second, reflect. And and that's happened. And there's been a lot of reflection. But now there seems to be a hyper drive into some crazy, crazy stuff. What, what do you think is going on? What, what, what do you think is playing out right now?
1: Oh, how truthful do you want me to be? I mean, everything that I've seen looks almost like a photocopy of Nazi Germany reinstating itself, except it's a global network with, you know, Bill Gates as their front man, it looks like to me. And um, it seems as though, as usual, there's just a handful of people that think the rest of us are stupid and that they can control the world and they're trying to turn us into profit centers. And they're trying to, there's a lot of talk from very intelligent people about a eugenics program and that they're basically trying to use the whole COVID uh, scenario as a filtration system to selectively target whoever's silly enough to fall for the trap and uh, eliminate them and, um, you know, when you look at the statistics on who's affected by COVID, it's unhealthy people and elderly people largely. So you know, it doesn't take much to get Humpty Dumpty to fall off the wall when he's already rolling toward the edge anyhow. So um, you know, I think I think what we're going through is really more psychological warfare than it is actual physiological warfare. Uh, you know, the statistics on so-called COVID, which by the way, nobody's ever seen. We've only seen media, which we don't have any way to know how real that is. So, you know, and, until someone actually shows me a, a, a slide from a scanning electron microscope or something powerful enough to show a virus that can diagnose that it actually is exactly what they say it is, I, to me, it's all smoke and mirrors. And if you look at the placebo effect, which is just as powerful as a nocebo effect, meaning you can convince people they're sick as well as you can convince them that they're healthy. And you look at the level of psychological laziness and, and the unwillingness to look into things and just believe whatever they're told. Uh, it, it looks to me like this is a dragnet that's designed to catch anybody that's not smart enough to, stay out of the net and how they'll deal with the rest of us that are smart enough to stay out of the net is a bit of a grand mystery, but, you know, with COVID passports and all this crap, they seem to be trying to make it so you can't, you know, drive a car or go anywhere or do anything. So they're trying to make it so that you, if you're not, um, if you're not vaccinated, you're a second-class citizen. Um, Angie saw a documentary uh, a film put together by some lady that showed the, the swabs they were using to supposedly test people were actually using nanotechnology and the fibers were actually living fibers and she showed how when they brought the two Q-tips together the fibers reach out and grabbed each other and showed that inside the Q-tip was actually the, the uh, vaccine. And the, the what, when people thought they were getting swabbed, there were actually these fibers were injecting that up inside their nose, right by their brain. So the level of deceit, lying and manipulation and trickery and advanced technology, and then you know with metals in them and, and frequency capabilities, if you study radionics and the history of radionics, they have easily got the technology. They've had it since about 1938 or 40 uh, to selectively broadcast frequencies, which they can use to target the metals to activate the virus so they can actually set it up. So it looks like you just died of natural causes. Uh, You know, I'm following the statistics on the vaccine injuries and they're through the roof. In fact, I've seen many reports of, nurses that flat out refused to give the injections and got in trouble with hospitals, lost their jobs. I've heard of schools refusing to do it because of people getting sick. And so people are waking up, uh, finally, as usual, they wait till they've, you know, fallen into the trap to go, Oh my God, I I've got something around my ankle that hurts real bad. But, uh, you know, It's hard to say, uh, whatever it is, it's not healthy. It's, It's destroying our democracy. It's destroying our individuality. It's destroying our freedom of rights. It's destroying our constitutional rights. And what deeply concerns me is when I swore into the United States Army and became a paratrooper, I had to swear to defend the United States against enemies, foreign and domestic. And I'm watching what is clearly covert activity on a grand scale. And the fact that Bill Gates is not in jail for crimes against humanity worldwide. And the fact that the military's not doing anything about it and the police aren't doing anything about it. And the government's bought hook, line and sinker and the CDC and the world health organization. It, we're, we're dealing with some kind of very, very sick, incestuous Plan that does not look healthy or good for anybody, and how it's happening worldwide without a lot more resistance and all the censorship is extremely indicative of very big danger.
0: I think that's the scariest part, and every, everything you just yeah. said right now was was spot on. Now we don't need to go into rabbit holes on every single part of that, but when you're when we're confronted with people right now that are just following the mainstream narrative. And really don't have an answer to anything that you just said right now and they want to just you know spit the talking points i always say you know talk is so cheap for those who haven't done the investigation and you mm-hmm. find that a lot in the cognitive dissonance and the ego of the modern world most people they just don't want to believe and they don't want to break down the walls of themselves to look outside of what's been hand spoon fed to them nonstop. so Everything you said is so is so right on point and it and and to not keep going on to this because I think everyone that's listening to this, they kind of have an idea of what's going on and they're feeling it intrinsically in their bones and in their spirit when they check in with themselves. I think it, it I think what we do is we go back to the roots of everything that we've been taught by the ancient masters, by the traditionalists and for me, it's something I've always wanted to ask you because you know we're friends. We have similar philosophies. We stand for what we believe in. We like to be considered someone who's doing something. You know, we're stepping mm-hmm. up. We're stepping up. It's part of our purpose. How did you go from being a paratrooper, getting into fitness, to walking into the spirit? Walking into a spiritual life outside of just something you can weigh, something you can measure. How did this happen for you? A lot of people are looking for that, and I, I'm curious about that that story. How did, was it a was it a wham bam? Was it one big medicine journey? Was it a mentor? Was it just you looking at how the system is rigged and the whole thing is ran by some cabal and some oligarchy that ha, that does not care about anyone? How, how did this happen?
1: Well, the, the, you, you, you have the concept, but it's actually backwards. Um, my mother became a yogi when I was 12. She joined the Self-Realization Fellowship, which is Paramahansa Yogananda's Self-Realization Fellowship teachings. And so from 12 years of age, we did a weekly trip to Vancouver, British Columbia, to the temple, And so I became exposed to the Self-Realization Fellowship monks at 12. I learned various meditation techniques the uh, summer that I turned uh, 15, I believe, 15 or 16. I went to summer camp with the monks in Los Angeles at the Lake Shrine headquarters uh, in L.A., Mount Washington's the headquarters. But the Lake Shrine, which is where the Beatles and many famous people used to attend services. The one over in the Palisades? Yes, uh, yep. it's on Sunset Boulevard, I yep. believe, yep. way up high. Um, yep. And so there I got to spend, I think it was two or three weeks, again, going into daily training with monks and learning Yogananda's philosophies. So I was grounded in the meditative experiences, but when I was around around that time, I was under so much stress in my life due to serious problems in the family and a lot of violence um, that I began actually having these quite scary, spontaneous out-of-body experiences. My father used to force us to go to bed at 7.30 at night, and in the summer on Vancouver Island, it'll stay light till often 11 o'clock at night. So I just felt like a caged animal because he worked us all day long on the farm with, you know, with full on heavy duty work. And so I never really had this ability to play and do anything I wanted to do. And I was so desperate to, to leave. In fact, I really didn't even know if I wanted to be alive. And spontaneously one night as I was falling asleep, all of a sudden I found myself floating above my bed, looking down at myself and it really freaked me out. And when my spirit came back into my body, it, it was like something had fallen on me, like my whole body jumped. But I laid there and thought about it and I thought, well, Jesus, that's wild. If I did it once, I can do it again. So I began to practice. And within a week or two, I was able to control my flight and I could just hold my intention and I could go around and I would go out around, you know, we had a 142 acre farm. So there's a lot of places I would go look for things like i'd go behind our barn and i would see if there was something i could identify like a chainsaw or a tool then i'd get up in the morning and go check to see if it was there and every single time exactly what i saw was there so i realized somehow i'm able to actually leave my physical body now this is before the training with the monk so i already had this experience and i didn't tell anybody about it because i thought for sure my parents would you know maybe think i was losing my mind or or do something irrational and then i i was really having a sort of a mental emotional breakdown one day in the field it was pissing rain it was freezing cold and my father used to make us pick rocks out of the fields so that the plows wouldn't get damaged and the rakes and things and it was just i was just so frustrated with all this hard labor and i was really upset at god and my mother was a Christian scientist first, so I'd already been grounded in the Christian concept of God, which I didn't like at all, even as a child, and nobody can answer my questions, and I got in trouble for asking them. But I one day just threw a muddy rock down and I started screaming at God. I just said, why? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why is my father dead? You know, Why am I with this man that beats us up and doesn't love us? And, And I just was having really like a mental breakdown. And all of a sudden, from every direction at once, front, back, left, right, top, bottom, a voice spoke to me and said, don't worry, your life is one of purpose. Be patient. And it scared the living hell out of me. And then to jump forward, when I was 19, I was going through the same sort of experience. I was a father. I was working my ass off to make a living. My parents had no money. Sue's parents had no money. And I was working on a drilling crew. And we were on our way back from a, from a job on a ferry. And those my crew, all the crew went in to have coffee. But I just felt like I needed to sit and have a chat with God. And, uh...
0: Oh, brother. This is good. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. This, this, this is really good. I'm really, I'm really feeling into this because we have a lot of similarities and what we've experienced.
1: So I said to God, you know, you told me once my life would be a life of purpose. Here I am covered from head to toe in drilling mud, cold, wet, dirty, doing hard labor and I just felt like something was wrong again. And I just felt like, why am I doing this? You know? So I, I said to God, what's going on? And then all of a sudden the same thing happened. I'm sitting in this international 5,000 semi truck with a drill rig mounted onto a huge truck. And the voice came back and it said, don't worry, you will become a massage therapist. You will have the freedom to control your own schedule And your work will be meaningful in the world. And I, at the time I thought, what a massage therapist, I, I, the, the only thing I knew about massage that when I was a child, I had asthma. And the only thing that helped was my grandmother would massage my chest. And my grandmother was a a beautiful Spanish woman, Spanish Mexican. And she, could take my pain and and calm me. And and she was the only person in my life that could make me feel safe. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I just remembered my grandmother working on me. Well, jump forward to when I'm 22, I joined the United States Army. I go through basic training. I go through advanced individual training for a year of electronic school. I end up in the 82nd Airborne Division. I hate my job. I can't do anything I was trained to do. I'm basically a slave to people with more rank than me. So I executed plan B, and, and that was to fight my way onto the Army boxing team, which at that time was the third ranked amateur team in the world. So it's not an easy thing to get on. You got to beat somebody on the team. And I couldn't train because I was in aviation. We worked often 24 hours plus. It was like crazy hours. I got addicted to coffee because I couldn't stay awake. I'm working on some of the most advanced weaponry in the world. And if you fall asleep, you can blow up the airplane hangar. So you're under,
0: you're under like complete duress and the stress was on an all time high.
1: Yeah. So what I did is, is I, I kind of an interesting scenario. um, They were having the inspector general's inspection in, in a couple of weeks. It's the biggest inspection of the year. And it's a very competitive thing because If anybody gets points against them, then your company gets points against them. So it's a competition for the whole 82nd Airborne Division to find out not only who the best company is, most military ready, most sharp, but who the best soldiers are. And they choose six soldiers out of 14,000 as winners. So they basically choose the top six soldiers in the entire 82nd Airborne Division. And the award is you get a four day pass to do whatever you wanna do. You don't, you get paid, but you don't have to go to work. You can do whatever you want. And I intuitively knew inside myself, I have to win this contest so I can get free to go try out for the army boxing team. And so I put my whole intention on winning the contest and I'm a private, you know, I'm a brand new guy. So to win a contest like that as a private is a very hard thing to do. Because you're dealing with guys that have 25 years of experience and they're all competing for the same award, so long story made short, I I just trusted that I was going to win and I went after work one day to the Callahan Boxing Arena and I booked a tryout, which was about uh, if I remember right two or three weeks later, and I just did everything I could do to get myself in shape from chin-ups to push-ups to sit-ups to you know getting up early in the morning and running. And then the contest came, the general inspector general's inspection came and lo and behold, I was awarded one of the six outstanding soldiers in the 82nd airborne division. I got a medal from the general. I got my four day pass. I went to the Callahan box arena and I beat the shit out of some poor Puerto Rican guy, took a spot on the boxing team. And I was also the army's representative in triathlon. So I represented the United States army in triathlon. I fought on the army boxing team. But then I was offered to leave the boxing team to train full time for the United States Army as their representative in triathlon. And when I told the coaches I was leaving, they said, no, don't do that. We'll let you become the trainer because none of us can figure out how you can train for triathlon and do what we do because the fighters can barely survive the training and you're doing twice as much as they are. So I got to be the trainer of the army boxing team. I was in charge of their nutrition, all their conditioning, I studied massage therapy by books. I did massage therapy. I was the first one ever to do massage therapy in the army. I did massage therapy for all 30 fighters. The injury rate dropped about 98% in the first three months and stayed there for the rest of the two years I was there. I got to study for two years with an osteopathic physician that was the team doctor. And that set my whole career up. So when it came time to get out of the army, I moved to San Diego, went to the Sports Massage Therapy Training Institute, Then further studied, became a holistic health practitioner, traveled the world, studying with the best doctors and therapists I could find all over the world. Did that for 20 years. In 1995, I started the Czech Institute, and I've been doing this for 37 years now. And so the point I'm making is my spirituality came first. The military was something I did because when I went and did the testing, they said, you scored high enough to be a pilot if you would just go to school for two years and at least get an associate's degree, we would train you as a pilot. I said, I hate school, I'm not going to school. I left school in ninth grade because it bored the shit out of me. So what job can you train me for? And my, the, my boss at the time, uh, I was a mechanic in a boat marine on, on the, in the Florida Keys, said, Paul, the way to do this is to get the school with the longest amount of time in school because the more money they have to invest in you to train you, the more you're worth when you get out. At that time, in in, uh, 83, when I joined, people leaving the military with the training that I had were getting hired by Bell Helicopter for $89,000 a year right out of the Army. So I joined the Army specifically to get the training in aviation so I could work ideally for Bell Helicopter. But when plan. A, didn't work because I didn't enjoy the job at all. It was too sedentary. I fought my way under the Army boxing team. I was a competitive boxer and kickboxer before I went in the military. Since I was 12, I was a fighter. And so ultimately what happened is the pathway that Great Spirit led me through put me in a position where I got to use my spiritual development to handle my stress and to focus my training to be the best athlete I could be I I set many records in the military I set records in the obstacle and confidence course I set the record for the most push-ups in two minutes in the 82nd airborne division many things like that so I had quite a celebrity status as an athlete in the military I never lost a competition to a navy seal ever by the way for you navy seals out there and um, so once I got out I started running into so many cases that were so complex that the medical system didn't know what to do. And they were even so complex that all I knew to do was, was ask spirit for help. And I was able to actually channel the consciousness of spirit through my body into them and empty myself and I would just be guided. And I would also get visions of what was going on in people's lives and I would ask them questions and it would shock the hell out of them. Like, how do you know about that? Nobody knows about that, like sexual abuse, physical abuse. And so I took my childhood meditation skills and remote viewing skills and I put them to work. And then in 2000, the year 2000, I think there was a conference in London called The Field. It was one of the first ones by Lynn McTaggart and Edgar Mitchell was the key speaker and the director of remote viewing for the CIA offered a one day remote viewing course before the conference started and there was 750 people in this class and i just intuitively knew i had to go take this course because i i already felt that i knew how to remote view in fact the techniques that they taught i didn't like so i used my own techniques but i won the they had a contest at the end and i won it so i demonstrated objectively that I could remote view. And it showed me that the childhood experiences I was having were actually setting me up for my future. And I've actually helped two people that were completely lost. Several people, uh, three Czech practitioners got lost on Mount Rainier one year and got snowed in and they all died and the National Guard couldn't find them. And one of my level fours got a hold of me and said, we need you to find these guys. So I found them told the National Guard where they were at. And then I had another practitioner who lost a family member to a huge fire in Australia and they couldn't find him. So they asked me to find him and I found his body for them. And so long story made short is is all of these things, including the pain turned out to be the things I had to go through to learn what it was that I was here to help people go through.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That was powerful. And, um, again, like I said earlier, very relatable and I feel your truth in that and the experience and the embodiment of such pain, you know, you're, you're in this childhood body, you have a stepdad, you don't even know who this is and you're doing something you don't even want to be doing. You're pretty much living in some type of hell and you were able to ta- tap in very similarly with, the. Uh, Story of Rudolf Steiner about his clairvoyance, seeing his dead aunt before he knew that she had died on a train. That's when it all started. That's how he was able to enter into the spiritual realm and see things more than just what you can see with your eyes or feel with your hands. And yes. I, I, I've, <clears throat> I've felt this firsthand from you, which has actually um, inspired me and actually got me into more of my inner work you know, when my father transitioned two years ago, you know, you came there. I had a couple of my best friends show up. You were um, one of the people that were allowed to come into the room with me and my father. So if you're listening, uh, this was day two after my father had transitioned and Paul had gone into the room uh, with just me and him. And were In there and just kind of blasting out and in some inner prayer and I was I was kind of out of body at the time still trying to figure out what was happening and you had you had you know tapped into some interesting stories I believe you said you'd saw a, a Middle, Middle Eastern man in the desert playing a flute and which he wasn't he, he was the, wasn't
1: in the desert he was there was a ra- there was a rainbow of light emanating from your father's heart hmm. and and. At the right at the in the rainbow, there inside the rainbow is a bridge of light, Mm -hmm. and that light bridge is the bridge to the other side. And your father was still hovering around his body because he wanted to get messages to you, but he was waiting for somebody that could perceive him. So your father began to talk to me, but the Hindu man who looked like a Hindu sage with a turban and he looked very you know, the eyes are very deep in someone that's very involved and very much like a Paramahansa Yogananda type presence. He said to me, you don't have a lot of time. It's time for him to go. So communicate with him now. And on the other side of the bridge was all sorts of people that looked like there were people that your father knew that were welcoming him across the bridge. And so your father... Uh, begin to tell me things that I told you, as you know. And so it was really close to the, to the time. There's only so much time that the soul can stay in the body uh, after the body dies. And it's it's not in the body, it's around the body. But you see, as long as there's any life at all in the body, then the body still has an electromagnetic frequency that holds the soul to the body like a magnet. Sure. And so your bo- your father's body was close to complete decay, and therefore your father's soul had to cross over. And so it just so happened that the time you called me just turned out to be like right at the end of the window. If I would have showed up the next day, I wouldn't have been able to give you that information. I could have gone it another way. There's, I have other ways to do that. I do it all the
0: time for people. But but at that level, with that clarity. And, well, I can yeah. do
1: it. It's just he would be talking to me from the other side, but there was messages he wanted me to give you. And, you know, he wanted to make sure you knew that I was communicating directly from him, which is why he told me what he told me to tell you at the very end.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and what that was, was uh, just make sure, please let him know to stop driving so fast, slow down. But,
1: and he was waving his finger like this, going, tell Shravine not to drive so fast, (laughs) it's dangerous.
0: And, it, and it, if you know me or everyone that is close to my family, that's something that my father would say to me almost twice, three times a day, every time I was leaving the house, wherever I was going, it was, Shervin, drive slow, drive fast, be aware, please, for me. Don't do it for you, do it for me. And so to hear you say that when you looked at me, it was just like my knees buckled and uh, it was more confirmation of the reality of this experience and it's, um, it's a phenomenon and it's something that the rational mind of this world has trouble to understand. And I think we've gotten in, into such a rational way of thinking that it's taking us into levels of lower vibration irrationality, as we aforementioned in the previous part of the conversation regarding where we are today with this whole pandemic and all of that. I think everyone that's listening to this, you know, for for someone to tap into you know the the best life of all time into true happiness they always ask me you know what is it is it drinking the best water is it the is it the movement is it all these things i think and and you said it paul and i'll say it for myself it's finding purpose all those Mm -hmm. other things can come but without purpose without divinity on who you are why you are where you are and where you plan on going you're kind of lost in this life and i think the modern mechanistic world has done a great job of extracting people's purpose out of them and kind of forcing them into a box of fear pain and struggle where we have to lean on something greater than us quote unquote greater than us and we've given our power away for you you know you wrote the book how to eat move and be healthy which is a powerful platform in my opinion when i when i feel into the book it's a platform it's a it's a template and, it's not, and, it, and it uncomplicates things. Do you agree that finding purpose in your life has to trump everything else to a certain degree?
1: Well, I like to quote psychologist Jerry Wesh, who says, if you have a big enough dream, you don't need a crisis. So if we don't have something that makes meaning in our life, then our life feels meaningless. A lot of that though is due to being railroaded by religion on one side and scientific materialism on the other side because the abrahamic religions create the illusion of a judging god that'll burn you in hell and they make god scary and then on the other side there is no god there's only matter and you don't have to go too far into science to realize matter cannot organize itself so there has to be an an overarching intelligence to create form out of the formless and so the I think one of the big problems is that due to the circumstances of the world we're in, people forget that we as souls all choose to be here and that we're all co-contributors in the creation, not only of everything in our lives, but in our relationships and in the world, and that the universe is completely and utterly involved in this whole process. Um, I once saw a calculation by a, s- a scientist from Cambridge University about how much energy it took to maintain and create and maintain a human body. And it was something on the order of you know 193 times the energy of our sun exists within one human body. And so when you realize how invested the universe is in creating each one of us and when you understand that you cannot have love without the illusion of separation god is a total unity maya is misunderstood because people use a western orientation toward the interpretation of maya as illusion but it's actually the illusion it's not an illusion it's the illusion it's Because God is unconditional love, mathematically, that's a zero that makes any emergent property of God a virtual reality. So the fact that Chervine appears to be separate from me allows me to have a subject-object relationship in which he can be the object of my devotion and vice versa. But if there was no illusion created by the ego and the sense of separation that the body encapsulates, there would be no way for us to experience life or to look at the world. You can't look at what you're in. A rock cannot look at itself. A tree doesn't look at itself. So my point is that what, what people have lost sight of is that being alive is the first gift, because now you can experience love. Now you can look at the beauty of the stars and the beauty of nature and the beauty of intimate relationships and friendships and solving challenges together. And I think that if people, you know, Yogananda said, if you realized how many souls are waiting for a body, you would jump for joy with the fact that you have one in one uh book or lecture he said there are approximately 60 billion billion souls waiting for a body on this planet at every any given moment he says it takes eight billion reincarnations through nature to get your first human body he said if you realized how special it is to have a human body you would never be depressed you would never be bored you would never be uh struggling. You would see each thing as an opportunity for your own growth and your own celebration. And ultimately, I think what what we're doing collectively is we're falling so far into the position of the unconscious child that we're not questioning the daddy figures that have been cast down from religion into science and technology. And most people are not taking the adult responsibility to wake up and see that we're being given an opportunity to get out from behind our addictions and our video games and our Count Chocula cereals and our bullshit and hold hands and face the dragon and really come together and circle the world and protect the planet and protect each other because ultimately it's just a handful of people orchestrating all of this And when you understand that consciousness is a psychic substance produced not blindly, but in living awareness of opposites, you can't grow in consciousness without opposite polarities. And we've become so passive. We're living in the unconscious and the whole universe wants to know itself, which requires consciousness. So if you study history, it's been one catastrophe after another, one war after another, one takeover after another. And that's because people have to have something bigger than them to stand up to. It's a, it's a repeat of the David and Goliath story, except there's not one little man named David to take down Goliath. Goliath is everywhere now. Goliath is surrounding us. And so now we have to stand up and go through our trial of initiation into adulthood and into love and into respect and into the depth of realization that this planet is absolutely essential for our survival as human beings. And COVID is a pimple on an elephant's ass compared to the destruction in nature and how close nature is herself to dying. So for me, COVID is really a firewalk that's inviting us to step into our true potential and inspiring us to stand up to the dragon and if we don't do it we will become little pigs in a corporate cage being harvested and then we will have to figure out how do you develop the physical emotional mental and spiritual integrity to solve a problem that big from inside of a cage eating <laughs> bill gates's <laughs> fucking garbage
0: well oh. yeah his uh his uh gmo meat so here we are. We're we're sitting in Plato's cave. We have existential threats all around us, literally as we speak. We're dealing with oceans that are declining. We have things that are being sprayed in the atmosphere. I don't even want to talk about on this podcast. Our soils shot. They've fracked North American aquifers down to pretty much nothing. We're in that. we we're, we're we're in that reality now. I'm not one of those people that want to sit and suffer, yet I'm also no. not someone that can say, I can just say namaste and put my head in the clouds. I, I come from a family of revolutionaries. It's in the DNA of the body I incarnated. It's obviously in yours as well, being a warrior. Uh, not a warrior, but a warrior. And mm. everyone that's listening right now, The main questions I'm always getting every day is how can I make a difference? How can I be part of something greater than myself? How can I connect to the multiverse, the universe, and with all my brothers and sisters on a mission that means something? Because We are generation lost right now. We have forgotten what we have forgotten. We are in an illusory state right now, and we're caught up in, as you said perfectly, we're in this scientism, fake religion that has basically become the new form dogmatic religion right now. You know, the the age of the Luciferic Abrahamic religions were were before us. Now we've entered this new form of religion. So if someone comes to you and I or comes to you and asks, you know, Paul, what can I do? How can I get into a position where I can make a difference? Because it just starts with the individual. That's Mm -hmm. where they've taken this parasitic energy and infiltrated it because as david ike says you know you create a problem reaction solution and it's not like they have an agent in front of every house they've done spiritual and psychological warfare every part of your family your friends your parents those are now the new agents the sheep have become the sheep herder how do we break out of this what what What? i mean i'll I, my opinion is we got to get healthy first and foremost but, but what's your well, take
1: he- yeah, there, there's, a, there's a, very, a variety of opinions, obviously. I'll share mine since you asked, but you know, there's an old saying, I don't know who created it, but it says, give me the strength to change what I can and the wisdom to know what I can't. I burned myself out and went through an intense midlife crisis at 50 trying to save the world when I realized I was killing myself to bring people the best information I could. And even when people were paying me a lot of money, probably 80% of them would go home and do none of it and come back complaining. And everybody that did what I taught them to do got healthy and felt better and went on
0: to fulfill their dreams. And you had to let that go, right? That's their karma, right? That's not something that you have to internalize and take on yourself.
1: Yeah, it's their choice. But what what happened was I really thought people wanted to get better. I really thought they wanted to live their dreams, but most of them really just wanted to stay in a state of unconscious bliss of watching television drinking beer smoking pot and just getting by um addictions and so, escapism
0: well, well addictions
1: escapism um you know falling into the nihilism of the world instead of seeing that while you're in your nihilistic state the guy right next to you is having the time of his life
0: yeah.
1: you know mm-hmm. i'm having the time of my life in fact if i never had a television or a phone. I wouldn't even know COVID was going on. The point I'm driving at is that we all have the power of every level of the universe invested in us. We have the power to create our dreams. We have the power to manifest. Anything the yogis and the masters can do, we can do. Jesus himself in the Bible says, anything I can do, you can do better. The question is, are you willing to spend the time to take the clutter out of your mind and do the work to get clear on what it is that is fulfilling to you that gives you a sense of meaning and value and gets you up out of bed in the morning? I've got so much fire moving through me that it's hard for me to sleep past 3.30 or 4 in the morning because I want to get in here and do my spiritual practices and do my work to contribute to the world because, because I have been in those dark places and I've climbed out of them and I know what it's like to be trapped. And so out of the love of wanting to help, I'm inspired. But, you know, David Bohm says no man can do deep thinking until he's healthy and he has a a, a healthy rhythm in his life. And that's why I built the four doctor system. And so Dr. Happiness says you got to have a dream and you got to have values to navigate your dream because Your yes has no value until you learn to say no. And without values, you don't know when to say no. Dr. Movement says you have to realize that to be healthy physically, emotionally, and mentally, you have to keep your body moving. You have to keep your emotions from getting stuck. You have to be honest about what you're feeling and honest about what your 50% of each relationship is because that's the part you can deal with. You have to be honest about keeping your mind alive and and growing your mind and growing yourself spiritually. You have to pay attention to what your body wants to eat, and it's always giving you feedback. Most people just ignore the feedback or drug it. I mean, you don't get fat overnight. You don't get sick overnight. You have to work at it.
0: Absolutely, the momentum. Yeah, keep going.
1: Yeah, so the inertia of it. You have to to take responsibility for your own self-management, and then you have to be conscious enough to listen to your body when it needs rest. So you have to rest physically. Sometimes you have to take rest from emotionally challenging relationships and you have to rest mentally or you burn out. The overtrained athlete will always get beat by an inferior athlete that's not overtrained because they have reserves. So it takes discipline to learn to balance the forces of action and rest. I tell people to start there. Because movement and rest are free. You don't have to spend a dime. And if you don't have the discipline to move your body and rest your body effectively, you'll never have the discipline to manage your mind and manage your diet. So I say start where it's free because there's no cost to doing that. And once you got that handled, you'll have the discipline. And that will be mental training to be disciplined like that. And the point I'm driving at is once you have Dr. Happiness, Dr. Movement, Dr. Diet, and Dr. Quiet and Balance, you're increasing the vitality. You're harmonizing your heart, your brain, and your gut, which opens your intuitive faculty, which opens your sense of capacity to be connected because the more unhealthy and challenged we are internally, the less open our field is to the needs of other people or let alone the needs of the world. So I teach that love evolves from I to we to all. Hmm. So only when you're healthy enough to handle loving yourself, are you ready to be in a relationship where you can give yourself away to somebody else because it's a threat to your own survival to give yourself away if you're unhealthy. So once you can handle a we, then you're ready to graduate to the all, which begins with three or more people and goes to the world. And so once we have done that in order to eat well and take care of ourselves well we have to spend our money on organic farming and biodynamic farming and clean water and we have to use our mind effectively so we immediately begin to see where the bullshit is at in the world and how much of the junk television and games and crap we're filling our head with. So the act of really bringing yourself into harmony is an act of awakening that Shows you very clearly where other people are out of harmony because now that you've gone from disharmony to harmony, it's easy to see and feel the disharmony in others in the world. And then when you start helping people and helping yourself be more wholesome and loving and congruent in your personal relationships, then you actually realize the world has all these problems. So the soul in you and the love in you wants to pour it out into the world. If you change yourself, you by definition have already made the world a better place.
0: Absolutely. So
1: so you can leave knowing you made the world a better place. That's the first thing we've all got to do. You can't win an athletic competition or a boxing match or a kickboxing match if you don't train and take care of yourself because your opponent's not going to be that stupid. Once you take care of yourself, then you have the energy to share with the world And then you naturally are inspired because you have the wisdom to look back at who you were and how you felt and what ailed you. And you look around, you see it everywhere. You heal gluten intolerance. You see, everyone's got it. You heal depression. You see it all over the place. You heal anxiety. You see it everywhere. And then you're, you, you're in a place to have the empathy and compassion and you have the energy to say, wow, my journey of healing gave me the tools to really be useful in the world. So, as we look at the world right now, we're a fortunate. We're fortunate because we're not in a world war with nuclear weapons and, and mass destruction. We're just in a weapon war of mass distraction. So, if we all say, "Okay, what can we do?" You know, for example, you sponsor my podcast, and all the companies that sponsor the podcast are people making really beautiful products with sustainable principles and practices and the money that they spend to produce those products goes back into the making the world a better place. So anyone that's following me or you are actually learning how to put money back into the hands of the people that are doing good for the world. So if you follow the money, the act of getting healthy is the act of keeping other people healthy and sustained that are also doing the same things. So there's a knock on effect because every choice we make has a ripple effect. (laughs) But as we grow and we come to the point where we say, okay, what can I do for the world now? I've got myself handled. I got my relationship handled. I tell people, look, it's not that tough. There's about 7 billion of us. So the analogy I give is what would happen if each of us flush the toilet one less time a day, the average toilets, three to five gallons of flush, multiply that, by 7 billion, that's 21 billion gallons of water. That's enough water for every single person on the planet without water to have water in one day. And all we did was not flush the toilet one time. So when you take the fact that if you multiply a small effort by seven or eight billion people, it turns out to be a massive effort. So I tell people, if you love to sing, sing some truth. If you love to paint, paint beauty and truth, paint something that helps people wake up. If you love to tell stories, tell stories that help people understand what's going on and what they can do to be part of the change. If you love to write, write truth. Do what you love to do and share what you know to be true from your own experience. And if we all simply did something each day that we love to do with the intention of moving it into the world, think back to Vietnam. And think back to Martin Luther King with we, when we had all this racism going on. If you listen to all the great singers, they were all singing the truth. They were all writing the truth. We all spoke to each other through means by which our heart could naturally get involved. If you do things out of obligation or duty because you think you have to save the world, your heart will not be in it. Arnold Patton says in his Universal Principles, If you feel like you must act out of duty or obligation, it is wise to lay down and rest until you can get up and act out of love. When we can take care of ourselves and get up and act out of love, then we inspire others. And with one year of commitment to that, we can circle the globe and we can literally say, We are not gonna use our phones to contribute to things like Google. We are gonna use other search engines. We are not gonna play useless video games that are capturing people's minds. If we don't have the discipline to make the changes we want the kids to make and the elderly people to make, nothing's gonna happen. So we have to look carefully at where the money's going and what is bringing our minds into unconsciousness and passivity and what we can do to be part of the world. And when we're singing and dancing, and writing, and painting, and communicating, and sharing out of love, then we fill the world with love and connection. And that's the opposite of what the people trying to capture us want. And the, the, love is too powerful to, to catch in a net of any kind.
0: It's the only truth. Everything you just said right now, I wish we can just broadcast to the world. This right here, this is part of one of the main messages that I push out from my heart. It's how you do anything, it's how you do everything. and right there at the core of this reality is our intention is our intention and our embodiment and most people you know they're born good people but they get distracted they get confused and all of a sudden momentum takes them into a wrong direction and inside they're in turmoil because they want to do good but they're just completely confused out to lunch for whatever reason everything that you laid out right there is something that we need to review in our inner gnosis. Everybody look in the mirror, see how you live your life. How are you eating? How are you sleeping? How are you loving your partner? How are you contributing to other people's happiness? What are you doing for yourself every day that gets us closer to our goals of living a happy, healthy life? This is is at the core of it. And it's interesting because the mainstream and again, I'm one of those people that don't want to create this enemy over there. I think it's too polarizing. I think it takes us away from what we can achieve by being in our own power. But it's interesting. The enemy is us. The, enemy is, the us. enemy is us. The enemy is us. Exactly. We're, we're
1: allowing this to happen. Yeah. We're allowing it. Yep. How many people went and got vaccinations because of peer pressure but on the inside they didn't they knew want they it they shouldn't do it. Yep. How many people go to church but don't want to be there but think God's going to burn them in hell without asking the question if God is God would God burn itself in hell because if God is God we're all God and it makes for a very stupid God to burn itself in hell. But one of the things I wanted to interject is is there's something that I want to share with everybody that most people don't think about When spirit invests itself in matter, Plotinus says the soul's greatest addiction is to matter because it begins to identify itself with it. So just like Narcissus stared at himself in the water and fell in love with his reflection, the soul loves to create with matter because matter allows the soul to see what it's creating, just like iron filings allow a magnet to see its own body, its own field. So, when we come into the earth plane and take on a material body because matter is so it's light so tightly entangled with itself it falls asleep so what often is looked at as laziness in the world when you consider that a child's programming has the hugest influence on its mind the most people are a victim to the environment they come into but from a spiritual perspective When we come into a physical body, the illuminated state of the soul, the soul is in contact with the truth Mm -hmm. at all levels because no soul can come except by God itself. God breathes all souls into existence. The universe co-creates all of us for its own experience, but the act of manifesting a soul in a little tiny body is that it puts the soul to sleep. So, What I'm trying to say is that what we look out in the world and see as passive, lazy people, yes, that's true, but the deeper truth is a lot of them are immature souls. And on on the earth plane at any given time, there's only a handful of more evolved souls that are here to guide them and to lead them by example. And people like you have probably, me and I, you and I and others like us have probably lived hundreds, if not thousands of lifetimes and slowly woken ourselves up from the drunken state of matter. But when we do the things we love to do and we realize that spirituality by definition means to connect to a greater whole, we become inspired by each other and we start to look up. Aubrey Hepburn says nothing is impossible. The word itself says I'm possible. So when we realize that we are spirit woven into matter and that all we've got to do is breathe and live and love and share and create what inspires us. And that wakes the soul up to its potential. And in short order, when we're in a state of harmony, when we're in a state of flow, when I'm painting, I'm being painted. Well, when I'm drumming, I'm being drummed. Hmm. I tell my students, why is it that you can't stop yourself from breathing? None of them know the answer. They say, Oh, it's physiology. I said, that's not true. Cause yogis can not only stop their breath. Yogananda could stop his heart and die at will. And many Zen masters could do it for multiple days at a time. And it's on record. We're being breathed by the whole universe. Mm. And when you realize that the whole universe is living one of its billions and trillions and in infinite potentials through you and giving you the opportunity to have complete free will to do whatever you want then your heart turns on and it's like somebody lit the fire and boom, you wake up and you realize that your consciousness is God's consciousness. It's the universe's consciousness. Your power to manifest is invested in you. And it's the same thing that chose to be in the material body because there's nothing greater for the soul than the art of being alive than the art of untangling itself from the cocoon of physical matter and coming back, into its spiritual awareness that it is god and that is the return that is when god wakes up to itself because without that awakening god's either asleep in matter or is a unity and a unity does not have thoughts or feelings or emotions because those require a duality there's no love in unity there's only unconditional love and by definition there's no condition there
0: absolutely and those wake up moments that aha moment is by far physiologically is the most euphoric moment that awareness and you yeah ha- yeah i I've, I've had that experience with you multiple times um just in your presence and i know others have had that experience with me as well and it's you know i i think this is a good segue to go into entheogenics <laughs> yeah pl- baby, plant medicines i ceremonies. know a little bit about it <laughs> yeah and it's um you know for for my personal experience, you know, I've been, I would say, connected to source, whatever source is God since day one. I remember as a child, (laughs) it's everything. It's, 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 it's all part of it. We're all breathing together. I, 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 that was a great, great analogy. So for, for someone listening right now, because that's, you know, That's part of the main conversation right now. We're going back into the psychedelic renaissance of the late 60s and 70s before it got snuffed out by the government, by CIA. And for better or for worse, you know, you and I, I know you have a strong opinion on entheogens, as do I, um, in terms of reverence, respect, doing it properly, operating with the right shamans, having intention and allowing free will to take you where it's supposed to go, go to, as opposed to some indoctrination, you know, going into those portals, going into those realms and coming out on the other side of the re-entry for me, was everything that you just laid out. It was that moment of seeing God within myself, yet also being so connected to every source out there and the separation completely disappearing, the unveiling of that almost like Steiner says, you know true love is you know allowing the false ego to dissolve and making room for someone else and that room could be anything that is you know just pure love for your life how yeah. how do you take people into those realms i've i've sp- i've spoken on this many times as you know i've served medicine to probably you know a couple hundred people right now I stop doing it unless it's someone that it's you know in my family or someone close to me i, I find these to be very very um hyper powerful moments where everything is wide open anything can happen so i i don't take this stuff lightly how, how did you segue into this type of realm and what do you think of these teachers in this world
1: well i love them but they need to be treated with deep reverence because because they are teachers they're like stones you know i call the stones the stone buddhas they will kill you they will break your legs they will smash your fingers and i've learned that the hard way so you know countless is the number of people that have come to me out of the jungle or from some pseudo shaman who's had their mind blown out and they're in a severe schizophrenic state from doing too big of a dose or too frequent doses or too frequent use and not doing proper integration and not even being ready for the medicines. Because you see, to get to God, you have to go through yourself. And if you haven't reached a level of personal integrity to be able to handle your own unconscious and your own shadow and deal with that out of love, then the medicines will take you into the hell realms. They'll take you into the hell of yourself and the immature person will blame it on the medicine and say, I'm never doing that again, but the medicines only amplify what's in you. So exactly the, the first thing is to realize that these teachers are unconditionally loving and they give you back to you. So if you're in a state of love, then they bring you love. If you're in a state of denial, fear, manipulation, greed, resent etc then they they show you that first because you can't get to the truth of yourself until you get through the illusions that you're buying into and energizing
0: yeah they rip open the suppression whatever you've been suppressing
1: yep. yeah they you know they they go right to where you're blocked mm-hmm. because ultimately to, to be healthy is to be an open vessel to be healthy is to be open minded and an open minded person generally does not have a closed body People with closed bodies are generally showing what their mind is doing, and that's not that I'm judging them. I'm simply saying life is a is a is a real uh, complex weave, and that we often have to learn things by finding out what's not true about ourselves, so we can heal that and come to the truth, and then we recognize where our healing abilities are to help others. But I think that the medicines are are you know as Terence McKenna once said, you can either sweep the monastery floor for seven years or you can do one hit of DMT. But if you need to sweep the monastery floor for seven years to talk through your problems with skilled monks, that's a safer thing. Because to do it in one breath of DMT is a very intense crash course in shadow clearing. Um, And you may not be able to find your way home if you have a big enough hit of DMT. I've known six people to die doing doing DMT, people that I knew personally. Um, So they're not things to play around with, but they are very, very good healing influences. They're very good teaching influences. They're very good for opening the mind to possibility. They show you the multidimensionality, and they actually – teach out of love and they also greatly reconnect you they dissolve the default mode network so you can feel the connection of yourself to nature to others to to the cosmos to the subtle realms to the angelic realms and they also can give you tours through the hell realm so you know that those are real too they show you the absolute infinite density of god that the that the 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 dimensions are infinite the experiences are infinite but because of that infinity if we're not able to stay focused then we actually become dispersed in infinity and we lose ourselves and we no longer exist we are now back to unity which means there's no life there So the medicines show you, just like the shaman talk about the ladder, there's an infinite ladder and the shaman climb up to the dimension where you're caught and they work with the spirits that have entangled you and make a deal with them or kick them out and bring that fragment of your soul home. So the the medicines also, you have to realize that the research clearly shows that no Christian ever sees Buddha in an enlightenment experience. So what happens is the medicines actually give you an inside tour of your own belief system. And to the degree that that tour is painful, they're inviting you to upgrade your software into something that is more holistic, more universal, more accepting,
0: more conducive.
1: Um, (laughs) Yeah. More effective. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, for me, Uh, I've conducted approximately 450 healing ceremonies in my career. I did a year of training with a doctor to learn how to use them and I built my own system, but I don't do medicines with people unless they're in therapy with me. and, And I've processed them enough and gave them what I call their flying skills so that when they go in, You can't teach a person how to fly while they're on the medicine. That's like taking uh, somebody who's never flown an airplane while it's in the air and saying, here, go ahead and take over for me. You'll be dead if you're not careful. They don't even know what to do. So putting somebody on DMT is like putting them in in an F-16 fighter jet and launching them off the back of an aircraft carrier, but they don't even know how to fly fly a Cessna or a paper airplane, let let alone. So when I take people through, I, I work with their their blockages, I show them where their shadow materials at, I show them where they're out of balance, where they're not living their truth. And then I say, let's work on that. And the same skills that you need to bring yourself back into harmony with your soul are the exact skills you need to navigate the other planes that the medicines will take you into. And the same way you deal with the evil in yourself is how you deal with it in the world or in the cosmos. So if you don't get your training without medicines, then you have to learn how to fly or how to drive a rocket ship uh, at the speed of light.
0: Yeah, and a lot and of people, a lot of people are going through that right now,
1: and they it's, crash. They,
0: they crash and when hard. When you when you mm-hmm.
1: when you crash, you know, on two, three, four, five hits of LSD or DMT or five plus grams of mushrooms, you 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 can find yourself. I, I recently had someone who got a hold of me in an emergency. They were out at a spiritual group, unfortunately, and they were doing mushrooms in Costa Rica and they were goofing around and fell off a 35 foot cliff, burst fractured two vertebra, broke the leg, broke the ankle, concussion. And you know, when people are doing that in the name of spirituality,
0: it's killing and, the name of spirituality and it's such disrespectful and it's putting things in a bad light yeah. and the, and, the and other side's using the, it against it.
1: And yeah. and there's the, there's the rock that falls on your head in the rock garden. Exactly. You always get yourself back and the medicines will make you a captive student if you don't make yourself a captive student. So you either learn to use them with discipline, respect, love, and honor, or they teach you discipline, love, respect, and honor. And, Uh-ho. and, and that's exactly what the world is doing for us right now.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's one big 5-MeO rip right now. And, you know, I I get a lot of, you know, beautiful souls out there that are on the ledge right now from um, mm-hmm. and, and on from, from It's a all great causes. place to be. Yeah, it's a great place. I mean, that's, that's where it is. That's where you, the... You- the Jung medicines. says
1: no Jung says no man is fully alive till he has the power to destroy himself and here we all are. Yeah, here we we all should are. be we should be dancing in the fucking streets right now saying all right we're facing a dragon let's capture it. Let's capture it and teach it how to live because the people behind this come from a dark place. But consciousness cannot emerge without the dark side. So people like Bill Gates have the spiritual responsibility of holding the negative polarity. <laughs> without which we can't recognize the positive polarity. So as much as I don't like all that stuff, it has a very deep spiritual purpose. And God wove the carpet of life out of the light and the dark. The darkness is as important as the light, but it is only through the light that we can see the darkness and learn how to work with it to make something more beautiful out of it. So my point is, the, the darkness and the challenge in the world right now is a gift to quicken consciousness because if we don't wake up to the choices we've made unconsciously by participating in passivity and letting the state and the government use our tax dollars to rip people off, start wars, poison the planet, then we are still in the seat of a child. And if the medicines are to be used properly, it's to wake you up to your potential to deal with the darkness in yourself And when you know how to do that, then you know how to transform it in the world. Otherwise the medicines just become another distraction. And right now we have a serious problem because people are beating the jungles down everywhere, leaving litter and trashing the place to get mushrooms and kill toads for venom to get high on. Yeah. So there's another corporate disease. We have to get wise. We have to mix natural practices with accelerants like plant medicines with. Wisdom carriers, and we have to face the dragon that we've collectively allowed to grow in the dark by being passive.
0: Uh, that that's it right there. So for every listener that just took on, you know, that beautiful reflection, instead of you know creating this separation, see the beauty and the power and the embodiment of looking at someone like Bill Gates as an individual that's holding that polarity. So there could be this type of experience in this life. And I love what you said about the medicine, that we are in a place where it is just becoming another form of escapism. And it's just another drug. And in the process of people chasing that, whether it's become glorified ego or it's become part of like circles and different spiritual groups and stuff like that, it's actually causing a lot of harm, and harm that might be unrepairable, whether that is and, the milking of the bouffoir various or, you know, destroying the you know the ecosystems, chasing mushrooms and not doing it in a pragmatic way. There's so and those many are ways.
1: all, those are all lives, right? Yeah. Every one of, you, you, you cut a marijuana plant off at the roots, you took its life. You pull a mushroom, you took its life. You know, you you use a San Pedro cactus, you're taking a piece of its life. So if we don't use life to create more life, then we're a force of death, but we're calling it spiritual, which is just new age bullshit. If we honor the food we eat and we honor nature and the great chain of being, when any of those substance enters my body, it is a prayer of communion and an invitation to live fully in me and to contribute to the support of the great chain of being out of love and respect nothing dies in me and i make sure i take responsibility that everything that comes into my body is used as to the very best of my ability to add more life more light more consciousness and love to the world because without it it just goes dark And then we're just matter
0: and then we're just matter and it's the same thing as the entire system how you do anything is how you do everything i really appreciate the way that you're able to express your embodiment in such a clean um appropriate way for me you know you're basically taking the spirit out of me and producing it in words and i'm usually the one talking so it's always (laughs) sorry no no this is so good because every time i'm around you i'm listening i that's respect (laughs) You are an old man. <laughs> you are my elder, okay? Paul, you're my elder. I've been I,
1: through a lot of battles, buddy. <laughs> I, I know
0: you have and that's why I'm here to be supporting you and to be a protector for you in every Thank way you. shape or form. Absolutely. You know, this is uh this is part of the the system and this is also part of the seasonality of spirits and like you said, we are one. There is no separation. And I, I, I I ask people, you know, let's let's just I don't think we need to go much further into specifics. I think this was just a perfect, perfect first conversation on Wake the Fake up because this encaptured the root of a lot of the things that we intrinsically feel yet, because we're so stuck on the on the rigmarole or the hamster wheel, we seem to forget all the time. We have this constant amnesia. And this actually parlayed right after your my podcast with you on the Living 4D with on your podcast. It's almost a perfect segue. And I think we keep this conversation going. I think we start illuminating more and more awareness. So there's a lot of heavy concepts in this, but at the same time, It's so basic and straightforward in terms of the fundamental truths. We don't have to make things complicated, but we have to be aware of where our intention is going and how we're doing everything. And I love what you said. I mean, if you don't even have intention in your breath... Let, just your breath—something that is autonomic, right? Something that the the body is supposed to be doing on its own. Where most people are breathing 40, 50 times a minute, when it should be five, six, seven big breaths a minute to keep the body at a state to in 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 a place physiologically to be in balance, to accept new things, to find love, to have empathy. We're not even in our breath, let alone how we're consuming things—water, food fear stuff on TV, you know, friendships, all that kind of stuff. How are we ever going to get to a level where we can make impact in the world and be part of the solution? So, I just want to thank you. I have so much gratitude in my heart, my entire tribe, my family. I think we've it's interesting, you know, me and Avocado Wolf and the entire crew and the entire Symbiotica family and all of my network has basically collided with your network and we're becoming this this movement. And, mm-hmm. and it has to happen. And It has to happen. And, and, and the other energy, the other polarities, they're working together. Trust me. They are, they are ninjas at what they're doing. You almost have to give them credit. You know, I don't, I, I want to study. I'm not going to call them the enemy, but they're the polarity. I want to study how they do things. And it's something that we should be doing together as well. We should be communicating at a high level and, and be doing things with the intention That we're here to serve each other and i love i love that you are a proponent of biodynamic agriculture i love that you support farms that are doing things the right way and i it's it's interesting because it always takes us back to steiner steiner is it's, it's everything's with intention waldorf education Intentional base. We let the, that children that that child developed. We let them earn their own faculties, so they can develop empathy and love and awareness, and they know how to treat other people. We don't force feed them an in indoctrination. And the same thing with biodynamic farming. We're not just. It's not some rigid structured. Um, plan in terms of how we're creating soil, how we're planting food. It's taking a look at the sacred cow in the middle of the farm. It's a nine loop closed system. It's it's our cosmology. There's so much love. There's pr- there's it's preparations. It's all relationships. It's all relationships. Everything. And that's uh, uh, if I can sum up everything that you just said in this this quick conversation. It's all about communication, relationship, and intention with self and how it expands out into the greater influence. So th- that was phenomenal. If you have any last words you want to say on this conversation, because this is going to be the first of many, please let me know. But I just want to say from the deepest part of my heart, I'm honored to know you, pal. You're a good Thank man. Thank
1: you, you too. And, and it's it's just great to be alive together, all of us. Um, I did a YouTube video recently it's not the feature play now because we've changed it every week, but it's called the danger of losing yourself. And it's a one hour and 15 minute present presentation on exactly what's going on in the world right now. And I think it's going to be quite a wake up call for people. Um, and it's very logical and well thought out. Uh, meaning I I, I, I tried to make it so anybody could follow it. Um, and, and uh, it's an hour and 15 minutes of, pay attention because what I'm telling you is should be very obvious to you. Um, Also, my recent podcast with Paul Levy, who wrote one of the best books I've ever read in my life, Quantum Revelation, is loaded with really useful stuff to be aware of. That's Paul Levy, The Quantum Revelation. That's probably one of the most important books on the planet for people to read right now. Um, You know, you've been on my podcast multiple times. There's a lot of the greatest people I could access in the world on there to inspire us uh, on all these things and to let us know there are others just like us out there that are, that are fully committed to being the change, you know, and as Lao Tzu said, a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. So a lot of people sit there going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And I say, take a step, start with yourself, do anything, do something, that makes you feel better that inspires you because if you do it for any other reason it won't be sustainable if if we realize that we can have one of the most amazing joyous times working together to bring harmony back to the world and that we can do this together we'll realize that it's the opposite of what is being imposed upon us instead of masks and segregation it's smiles hugs and contribution so the opposite of the negative is the positive and the negative creates the positive so by the fact that there's a lot of negativity in the air it opens the possibility for huge positivity and and that's just the law of electromagnetics and the whole universe is an electromagnetic reality so you know the more happy healthy and whole we get the more magnetic we get right that's what it means that, to have a magnetic personality
0: that's what so, the law that's the real law of attraction that is the law yeah. of resonance in the dna field we all yes. we all carry a vibratory field, toroidal energy from our heart and mind. And that's, that's mm-hmm. why certain people, when they come across me, they run away and certain people, they jump on top of me, right? It's the same thing. It's just who's, what vibration are you emanating from your what, entire existence?
1: And one of the beautiful things that people are a bit sleepy to is the same exact technologies that's being used against us. Our phones, our computers, our televisions can be used against them. We're we're using those technologies right now
0: yeah that's true to
1: spread love truth and a wake-up call so you know a mind makes a better tool than a master and so does a phone absolutely so when we start being aware that if we use these tools that are capturing our brains and turning us into passive people that don't think to do research to ask bigger questions and to find wise people to lead us, then we can use their own tools against them. And I will share this very important thing. Sri Aurobindo did research into true spiritual masters because in India, there's a lot of fake ones. And he identified that the true spiritual masters that really demonstrated the power of a master had four key qualities Those qualities are they always draw their power from unconditional love. They never did the healing or transformation themselves They were a vessel. They could all turn a negative into a positive. They could all create beyond the laws of physics. Now, a lot of people think, well, I can't do that. I say, yes, you can. How high can you jump in your mind? Gravity has no hold on you. How many people can you make love to in your mind? All of them your mind operates beyond the laws of physics classical physics your body is inside physics but where do the most amazing scientific discoveries come from dreams and intuitions study scientists most of their great inventions and breakthroughs came from dreams and intuitions einstein spent most of his time in the bathtub meditating to get his answers so they all create beyond the laws of physics, which means they use their mind over matter. And they create equanimity and harmony wherever they go. So to repeat those, they draw from unconditional love. They can turn a negative into a positive. They create beyond the laws of physics and they bring equanimity and harmony wherever they go, which means they're centered in their heart and they bring love wherever they go. Those four qualities are all things that we all use every minute of the day but we do it unconsciously and we often learn to create what we don't want before we learn to create what we do want. If we realize if your life feels shitty right now, the shitter it is, the more powerful you are and say, wow, if I use the same amount of energy I did to get myself in this much trouble to create freedom in my life, I'd be like a bird flying high in the sky, shitting wherever I want to and <laughs> smiling about it.
0: Absolutely. That so, was, yep.
1: Once you know the four qualities of a true spiritual master, then all you got to do is practice those four qualities each day with the intention of creating more freedom, more love, and more beauty, and more good, and more truth in the world. And watch how quickly it manifests when you focus your power on what you want instead of what you don't want.
0: This is what sovereignty means by definition. You know, being imprisoned. Yes, you could be behind physical bars, but most people are behind spiritual bars and they're emotionally putting themselves into a box. Yet the entire time, it's just a matter of reprogramming and rethinking. I love it. I think our next conversation will go into some of those practices and some of those tools and some of those methodologies so we can start retraining our thoughts and emotions and get to a place of ultimate freedom where we can choose happiness as opposed to just be reacting to what the world is bringing us our way and is stomping us down. That seems to be where a lot of the pain and the struggle is appearing today. And so again, thank you so much, Brother Paul Check. It's been an honor to have you on Wake the Fake Up. That was a powerful, powerful conversation. Let's keep it going inwards, onwards, and upwards only. I love you, buddy. I'll talk to you love soon. Love you too. Yeah, man. Aho, great spirit. Aho. Mwah. Gratitude family for tuning in today and deep reverence to you all for dedicating your time to seeking knowledge and truth. This is what it's all about. You can find more of my podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Google Podcasts You can also find this on my website at wakethefakeup.com. Life is all about momentum. Please leave a review so I can hear your experiences and share with your friends, family, and anyone who needs to hear this message. This is a revolution of consciousness. This is just the beginning. I am all in. I'll be back next week for another epic conversation. Stay tuned, family. Big love.